Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Flatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independentartiststhinkers. Great to have you with us. This is Tracy L. Slatten, hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. And I am sitting in beautiful Montecito, California with Mr. Bo Roberts, one of the 50 sexiest men alive. How cool is that? I'm really happy that so many people are listening to the show live and in the archives and in the iTunes podcast channel. So thank you for tuning in and I hope you're enjoying the show. I certainly am. I created this show to support those brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. As the intro to the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. I'm interested in creativity, fresh ideas, unusual perspectives, and originality. And this show aims to bring you models of people who embody those qualities. Please call in with questions or comments to 516 516- Four five three six zero five two. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers. And the, the chat room's open. So it's working this week and open. So do chat me. Email me in between shows if you'd like to suggest a guest or have me ask questions of a particular guest. And you can reach me at tracy at tracylflatten.com. That's T-R-A-C-I at tracylflatten.com. I am so happy and delighted today to have my friend, model and actor Bo Roberts on to talk about modeling and acting and the new social media. Fresh off the pages of Cosmo, GQ, and Men's Health, Bo Roberts, who was named one of the 50 sexiest men alive, transitioned from modeling to acting and most notably appeared, notably appeared in 300 Rise of the Empire, The Mindy Project, Burn Notice, and earlier this year filmed Change of Command, with Michael J. White and Steve Austin, and is also a rapidly rising social media star with Twitter's newest platform, the live streaming at Periscope, and I think Bo may do some Periscoping later in our episode. Currently based in Los Angeles, Bo studies acting at the Anthony Mendel, Mindel, Mindel. Mindel School, um, while New York 
While in New York, he trained at the HB Studio, Stanislavski, and Broadway Dance School to learn movement, though it is his role and experiences as a former member of the Indiana CERT SWAT team police force and fighter in the MMA, which make for his incredible on-screen fight technique and weapons handling. You can find out more about Bo at www.boroberts.talent.com. You can also be reached at brpnews.com. Bo, hello, and welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. And thank you for having me. I'm so happy, and uh, you're one of the 50, hottie, 50 hottest businessmen alive. You want to comment about that? Um, it takes a lot of face cream. <laughs> a lot of face cream and uh, some Photoshop doesn't hurt either. <laughs> I'm sitting here next to you. You don't need Photoshopping, trust me. Um, so in, instead of flirting with you and you're my friend's husband, I'm going to start with my usual opening question for my guests because it situates listeners into who you are and what you're about. And it's a big question, so do what you need to with it. So take it and run with it. So that is, how did you begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have? When did you know you were going to be involved in modeling and acting? Were these a major present in your home when you were, were these a major presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So talk about your childhood and lead up till now. Got it. Okay. Let's see. Childhood. So I uh, I grew up in southern Indiana. So basically, if you can pinpoint Louisville, Kentucky on a map, I am the town uh, directly north of it or at towns. Uh, we refer to that area as uh, Kentuckiana because um, so many people, they work in Indiana, live in Kentucky and vice, and vice versa. So um, yeah, I grad- graduated from a school called Charlestown, Indiana. That's where I lived all the way up until I was a freshman in high school. And yeah, uh, growing up, I-, I was very typically the captain of whatever sport was in season that I was wanting to do. Um, I competed in uh, football, wrestling, track and baseball. Um, I was even a mascot at basketball games, uh, a volleyball manager, um, uh, I think I mentioned the mascot at basketball games. Um, my father was also the mascot at home football games. Um, and I was also a middle school wrestling coach. So I was extremely athletic and every aspect of it. And um, usually that would make you one of the cool kids in high school, you know, having a varsity jacket and stuff like that. But uh, wasn't so much my case. Um, I have gone through about 12 to 13 years of intensive speech therapy. Uh, Susie Buchanan was my speech therapist all the way from, uh, I don't think it was kindergarten. I think I met her in first grade and that traveled all the way up to eighth grade when uh, I went into the office uh, to meet with her the last day of eighth grade. And she said, okay, so uh, this is where we part ways. I, I don't tutor people in high school. So um, just, you know, re- remember everything I taught you and I'm sure it's going to work out. And from that point, I then went into high school and, um, yeah, didn't work out so well. You just get teased and picked on and stuff like that. But fortunately I had, uh, the jocks that grew up across the street from me in a couple blocks over that were very rough with me growing up. But the moment there was a bully that tried, put his sights on me, they squashed that very quickly. So, you know, to be a freshman in high school and, you know, having such a uh, speech issue, yeah, 
some people would try to be mean to me, but these guys that have kind of adopted me as a younger brother would definitely step in and uh, and take care of that problem. I just want to break in, you know, from the you're the husband of my friend Michelle, and from the moment I met you, I always said to her you're you, that you were unusually nice for someone so gorgeous, and you know, Michelle and I attributed to the fact that you had a speech impediment and you were picked on, so you didn't turn into a jerk. So you know, there's a blessing, a silver lining, I guess. That's extremely true. Um, one thing that it definitely put into my head is, you know, um, although athletics that was my true passion and it still is today. Like I still love to compete socially in uh, various sports, but even though that's what my focus was and I excelled and would get on the news for it and have people interview me opposed to everybody else on the team. um, With all of that going on, it was still in my head that, you know what? Um, I don't care who it is that you put in front of me. Nobody is better than I am and I'm better than nobody. Everybody comes from such a diverse walk of life and the demons that they're dealing with and and the fortunes that just happen to drop in their lap it changes so drastically for everybody that you know every case is very very special Mm -hmm. um and very unique so yeah it put in my head that you know yeah if somebody else walked the exact same life as me how would they turn out but yeah so it it really is all about the personal uh perspective and and the path that brings people up to where they are now. So when you're a little kid, you're a little guy in Indiana, north of Kentucky, just north of Kentucky, what did you think you would be? I know you entered the police force, um, but what did you think you would be like when you were growing up? What were your goals and dreams? Actually, the dream of mine uh, growing up was to go into law enforcement. I, I began watching the show Cops at a very young age, and um yeah, it's very interesting because uh, I've been exposed to a lot. Uh, my stepfather, he owned one of the, I think, three to top five um, truck driving companies in the entire nation. That's competing with FedEx, UPS, and everybody else. He was in the top five. Uh, my mother, she owns a truck driving company, and my father is a truck driver. He's been doing it for, for uh, 30 years. Um, so I've definitely been you know, exposed to that, that entire field. And, um, I would go down, uh, in grade school to South Carolina, ride horses on my great granddaddy's chicken farm and hang out and all of that fun stuff. But no matter what I encountered X, Y, Z watching cops, it's something about me, which is very interesting to jump all the way ahead to college my freshman year in a writing class, I had to research my name. What does your birth name mean? Which my birth name is William Bernard Roberts. And all three names have something to do with a type of physical strength, mm. but also being a protector of some kind. And there's a, something about me that watching the show Cops, it, I was just drawn into the whole serve and protect and, you know, right and wrong and stuff like that. So, yeah, right from the get-go, probably around seven years old, being being a boy in blue kind of stuck out to me. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, you have become – we're going to jump ahead a little bit, and then I think we'll come back if that's okay. You have become an icon on Periscope, and um, 
we'll come back to sort of your modeling and that career, but I just, I think it's really fascinating what you've done on Periscope. So can you talk about like the new social media and how you're using Periscope? Yeah, I am uh, definitely trying to use and abuse uh, that form of of social media now. Um, My beautiful wife, Michelle, owns a PR firm called PPMG, Popular Press Media Group, and they handle a litany of things from celebrities, products, uh, a lot of movies, events, a couple press releases for who knows what. Um, But yes, she told me one day, hey, so Twitter has come out with a new social media platform called Periscope. Seeing how Twitter owns Periscope, it's not going away. It's going to be around, and it's the fastest growing social media app in history. You need to get on it. And at the time, I'm very old school. Um, It wasn't until I left Indiana to move down to Florida that I actually even started using a credit or a debit card. Everything I had done all the way up until I was 22, I would only do a cash transaction. So I'm going to just interrupt and we'll go back to social media. But I know you owned your own, you bought your your own house when you were really young, right? Yes. um, it, It was a life goal of mine to start making mortgage payments before I turned 21. And very thankfully, um, the the week of my 21st birthday, uh, the deal went through on a house in southern Indiana. It was a very nice uh, four-bedroom, three-bathroom, bi-level home. Had about two to two and a half acres. And yeah, just in the perfect spots where uh, I'm maybe a minute away from I-65, interstate that would take you down to uh, Louisville in two minutes or so but just far enough away to where you didn't hear it. That's cool. All right, so you started on Periscope, and you started doing this really fascinating thing called Shave the Day, and you've got this following. You want to talk about it? Sure. So Shaving the Day, um, one tip on social media in general is have a catchy title and use bright, colorful emoji cons, stuff that's going to catch the attention of people. So for me, uh, I love to use parodies and rip on titles and just uh, things on that nature. So instead of saving the day, for me, it's shaving the day. (laughs) Very simple enough. And that actually started because rather than shaving off my beard every two weeks and and stop at the sink in the bathroom, I would go out onto our balcony. And then I would turn my uh, iPad on, flip the camera towards me, so that way I could actually see myself as I'm shaving on the balcony and not, you know, walk away looking like a jack-o'-lantern. You know, like (laughs) it it was all nice and even. So, um, yeah, I started doing that, and it was concurrently around the time that I began doing Periscope. So one day I was like, you know, why don't I just Periscope this and just see – what the result is like I've actually done a print ad for the shaving company Gillette before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I appreciate the whole nostalgic idea of being masculine. So whenever I would, um, uh, two years ago or, uh, yeah, the first Oscars I went to with Michelle, uh, she was off getting ready and I drove around and had to pick up a, a suit from, from a designer and I stopped by this place called Shorty's and went in and, you know, it's like I had my flask filled up with whiskey and I turned on Frank Sinatra on Mm -hmm. Pandora and had a true authentic 
uh, cutthroat shave. It's a single blade razor. But yeah, so for me, I love doing nostalgic things like that. So to begin shaving, and now that I'm doing it on Periscope, it seems logical that I would make the jump from just doing it very personally to sharing it with with the fans that follow me. It was really fascinating for me because I watched it kind of, I watched you go on the balcony and shave for Periscope and I watched on Michelle's phone. So what I noticed was that the camera really loves you. Like you just looked amazingly gorgeous in the Periscope video. So do you want to talk now about how you got into modeling and the, the transition from modeling and acting But start with modeling? Cause I, I understand you were very, very successful and are still sought after. Uh, yes. Yeah, so in Indiana, which to me it is such a joyous uh, awakening that I've gone through uh, in life to where in the Midwest there is a, I don't know what you call it, a stigmata or a way of life that you're quote unquote supposed to be. First off, you got to be straight um, and you get married. Maybe after you graduate college, if you do you have a family and you have a house and you work and you come home and you watch TV and, and, you know, some people, they may have a hobby, but a lot of them don't. Um, and I very much fell into that stereotypical living situation. And then a guy in my fraternity wanted to take me down to spring break. And I'd never gone on spring break because after I graduated high school, I was talking with a scout from the St. Louis Cardinals and Atlanta Braves. Um, because my ticket to play professional baseball was my speed. I was extremely quick. And, um, yeah, so all throughout high school and a couple of years after that, I was so focused on training that I, I had never gone on um, on the tryout. And uh, just to, to, to go off on that tangent for a second, the scout, he was very kind to me. He, he told me, they treat you guys like cattle. Um, if you're 22 years old, you're considered old. Um, and if you're not signed, give it up because somewhere in the country, there's a kid just as fast as you that can throw the ball a little bit faster than you, which was my downfall from the outfield. I could only throw the ball about maybe 92, 93 miles an hour. (laughs) Well, opposed to around a hundred. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, I turned 22, walked away, no hard feelings. It's not a dream I'm still hoping for. And I'm very thankful that he had that serious talk with me. Um, yeah, but how did, how did you get into modeling? Because you're just a right. natural. Right. So did that, and um, so this guy was like, okay, so you're not focused on baseball now. Let's go on vacation. He's a fraternity brother in a talk cap Epsilon, TKE. And instead of going down, well, that year we went to Party Central down in uh, Panama, Florida, and um, crazy stuff. Like most of it I, I can't uh, – I'm not going to say on your talk show. Do you even remember it? <laughs> um, bits and pieces. Uh, <laughs> en- enough to know I don't want to talk about it on air. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so fast forward to another year. Uh, he wanted to go back down to Florida, and I said yes. And instead of going to Panama, Florida, we go to Sarasota, Florida, where his sister lives. And it's an old, sleepy uh, place that people go to retire. We walk into some random bar, and I see a girl, and – Next thing I know, she flies up uh, three times to see me. And then at that time, I had a high school sweetheart. I dated for uh, six months uh, back in my sophomore year. 
but after high school, no, nothing like that. You know, it's all casual, but I wouldn't take anything seriously. I took her very seriously. So I sold my house, left the family truck driving company, left law enforcement. Um, I, to be uh, prepared for law enforcement, I used to compete in cage fighting for three and a half years. Oh, my God. What is cage fighting? Mixed martial arts. So, yeah, so stuff you see on TV when you watch UFC, basically to win a match, you n- knock your opponent unconscious, break break a limb, um, choke him out, or he taps out himself, or the referee stops the fight. Um, so did that, but I left everything to move to Florida to uh, pursue a relationship with her because uh, at that point – Back to the Midwest mindset, I had a very stable life. I had everything I wanted. My uh, my parents, very fortunately, both of them uh, supported me and they loved me. And, you know, it was, that was awesome. I had a bunch of friends. I had a lot of stuff going for me. But then I acknowledged a void where it's like, you know, I would like to share all of this with somebody. And then I met somebody that made me want to do that. So at the drop of a hat, I left everything I'd ever known to see what happened. So then go down to That's kind of romantic. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I I definitely talk a tough game being a, a cop and a cage fighter and, you know, powerlifter for baseball and all this stuff. But, yeah, I guess I'm actually somewhat of a softie at times. So uh moved down to be with her, and then she what, kept bouncing back and forth from vegan to vegetarian. So she convinced me to go uh, vegetarian for three months, and it – just got my body shredded. I dropped from 195 pounds to 170. Granted, I was working my butt off with cardio two times a day, would play soccer two times a day and still lifting hard, like definitely put in time at the gym, but going vegetarian, yeah, really got my body in a very leaned out state. And then this uh, photographer named Louis Raphael, um, which I, I deem him as being one of the absolute premier uh, body photographers and all of Florida. Like he's phenomenal at what he does and he's very encouraging. He's not creepy at all. So, um, but yeah, he hit me up on Facebook wanting to shoot me. And initially I said no, but then, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she loved the idea of dating a model. So she was like, no, no, no. Uh, like send him another message and tell him, yeah. So I agreed to shoot him and we shot under, um, a very famous overpass in South Beach, Miami. And when he sent me the photos of myself, that's when I was all cocky, like, oh, maybe I can model. Mm-hmm. So I sent uh, sent the photos up to an agency called Ben's Models in Tampa Bay, Florida. And this woman, Kira, she, she um, uh, took care of me pretty much from that step forward. She became my mother agent. Um, and as phenomenal like she herself was a, a model in a very big time when did uh, I believe Calvin Klein ads and etc cetera, etc cetera, um, married and landed in Tampa Bay but has high-end connections all over the world and uh, so like I just stumbled into meeting her which is a true godsend because she's not sleazy she's not like a bad person she's just tens all the way across the board amazing woman she got me signed with next models and then that's when the big decision in my career came Uh, i then had to make a choice 
because uh, at, at that time I've done a few student films, a few short films, an indie film I hope nobody ever sees. <laughs> like it was to the point the director got mad that he was actually talking through a megaphone on stage because that's what you see in the movies. But this guy was actually doing it. He gets mad, throws down his megaphone, goes across the street to a Starbucks, and then you had an actor, actress that was not in the scene. She picks up his megaphone and assumes the role of director at that point. So like it was on that level. Um, but growing up in Indiana, I knew that, you know, acting is very interesting to me. And, but I, I'm just a, another kid from the Midwest dreaming of being rich and famous and X, Y, Z. So, uh, but now I'm being exposed to it. I've done a few projects and Miami was ending season, and I was offered a contract to be flown and boarded in, uh, in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. But I, I actually passed on that amazing opportunity. Very thankful to have it. But at that point, I had already known that acting is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I moved up to New York City, where I went into uh, HB Studios. And um, uh, I think her first name is Janine. Uh, possibly Janine Kaplan, but she was my teacher for um, Stanislavski, which is the, let's call it the cousin to method acting. Mm-hmm. That's pulling from your own memories and stuff like that in order to elicit a pure and true response. Mm-hmm. So studied there, and then I went and lived in uh, Europe for three months, still modeling. Um, uh-oh. We had a caller. Caller, if you want to... We may have lost you, so if you if you call back, I'll I'll click on so you can ask your question of Bo Roberts. But Bo, keep going about modeling and acting. Gotcha. So I went to Milan for Fashion Week, which was a complete nightmare. Um, so what were you doing in Milan? Were you modeling clothes? Were you on a runway? Uh, well, trying to be on the runway didn't quite work out. Um, I again just had very good fortune to where I had people like Viv- Vivian Westwood and Paul Smith and uh, and about three others on that level have had me already holding to do the fashion show for them. So I'm doing backflips as I'm booking my ticket to go over to Milan. And um, all of a sudden, the airline uh, sends me an email saying, hey, sorry about your luck. We canceled your flight. Uh, we've refunded the money. Good luck to you. <laughs> so, And during that time, yeah, I'm not worrying. Meanwhile, everybody else is booking their tickets to go to Europe. So every single flight was beyond, like, sold out. Oh, wow. So I actually arrived in Milan the week after Fashion Week, missed absolutely everything. So uh, I was, you know, doing, like, more not to say anything uh, bad about anybody, but it was, show, like, shows and shoots not quite on that level. So, like, jobs for, like, what, 500 euro and stuff like that. And... um but I wanted to stay there for three months. Um, simply coming from Indiana, you know, I had my little nest, my security there. Uh, everything I'd ever known is there. And then I up and moved down to Florida. And now I'm with this woman, and she has all of her friends in Sarasota, Florida. And then it's just the two of us moving to South Beach, Miami, and nobody else. And then I moved to New York alone. And at that point, it's just me and New York. And I have to meet people and survive there. So I felt like the last leg on my trip to being completely self-reliant was go live in a foreign country um, that you don't even really know the language 
and survive there for three months. So that's why I stayed so long. So this show is about how my guests can model unconventional thinking. And really, I think that's about modeling courage for my listeners. So I want to ask you, what in you gave you the strength to do all these, to make these giant moves? Because you had everything stable and secure you could have wanted in Indiana. So what inside you gave you the courage to move to Florida, to New York, and to Milan? I definitely say it's the people, um, again, that I've been surrounded by. Um, I've never hit the lottery the few times I've played. I always strike out embarrassingly at a casino, but I have definitely struck gold, um, definitely, with the people that are in my life. Um, My parents, my mother is living in a man's world. She is the owner of a truck driving business. You don't get too much more masculine than telling the modern day cowboys of the entire world, you know, where they need to be and when they need to do it. So just seeing the stuff that she has gone through in in that career is simply amazing. And then my father actually being a truck driver, the stories he's told me and the stuff that he's put himself through to where um, he may or may not have um, did certain drives in a certain manner to where um, no matter how far away he, he would be, he would always make it back to my wrestling matches in my football games and every baseball game that it, it was uh, logical for him to make it to. And even some that were not logical. It's, yeah, very truly happy that you know I've experienced people like that. And then aside from them, like I've grown up uh, playing pinball machines. I've never met one that I, I have not beaten. So my father's truck driving friends and the truck stops, they're, they're all telling me, this is how, how you be a man. This is, this is how you treat a lady and, you know, X, Y, Z. So um, that is my mindset. And I think for me that, yeah, in the comfort of my life, deep down, I've just had this courage instilled in me because I have watched people walk through fire and not even blink. And so for me to, what, Move down to Florida chasing love. That's not nearly as intimidating as the stuff I've watched them go through. So, yeah. Well, I think you're underestimating yourself. I think it's pretty amazing. So I'm going to take, if it's okay with you, I'm going to take 30 seconds and play my commercial for my books. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to play it, and then we're going to come back with some more questions for Bo Roberts, one of the 50 sexiest men alive. When you find an author you love, you read everything they publish. International best-selling author Tracy L. Slatton is one of those writers. Her book Immortal is a rags-to-riches-to-burnt-at-the-stake story of an orphan boy in Renaissance Florence. Broken is the story of a fallen angel in Nazi-occupied Paris and her award-winning romantic paranormal dystopian after-book series. Also, her bittersweet sci-fi romantic comedy, The Love of My Other Life. Read one and you will be hooked. Find all of her books at TracyLSlatton.com. So we're back, and I'm going to ask Bo Roberts some more questions. Um, Bo, you have an absolutely perfect body, and my husband has a pretty awesome body, like the body of a Greek god, So I, and I get to see all his pictures of the models he uses for his um, classical figurative sculptures. So I feel like I'm kind of an expert on the male body, <laughs> and yours is perfect, unbelievably perfect. So talk about your workout schedule. I mean, this doesn't – you obviously have some natural genetic propensity towards having a perfect body, but how do you keep it so awesome? 
Um, yeah, and genetics definitely does uh, come come into play here. Um, both my grandmothers are uh, full-blooded Cherokee Indian, and I have a lot of uh, Irish blood. I have Cherokee and Irish too, so I'm all about that mix. <laughs> Perfect. So, so you know, um, and for me, I attribute that to the what the high cheekbones and the light-colored eyes. Uh, my father was a champion sprinter, um, like state recognized back in high school and um yeah so having just naturally very powerful legs and a strong back um is yeah like i was just blessed with it and to to really talk about like how i eat because it's so talk about your workouts how how much do you work out just just tell us the truth uh well constantly now um so actually in the next couple of weeks i'm traveling to new york so um this is me, of course, if I'm not on set and if I'm not uh, otherwise engaged in stuff. Um, Eating-wise, I do what's referred to as intermittent fasting. I do not eat for 16 hours straight. And it sounds completely insane, but pretty much if you have dinner and you're finished with dinner at 8 p.m., I do not eat until the next day. I skip breakfast and have lunch at noon. So... During this time, I wake up in the morning and go play two and a half hours of basketball. The quick sprinting, the sprinting mentality is the quickest way, in my opinion, to burn fat. A treadmill, a treadmill, it actually begins to make you lose muscle. But if you just want to burn fat, sprinting is the way to do it. So I do that on an empty stomach. I then uh, come back to, to the apartment and start and start. Um, doing business emails and finding out what the next day holds for me, et cetera, et cetera. During this time, I'm eating breakfast. When I finish eating breakfast, I go back to the gym and lift in what, it, uh, what is referred to as a reverse pyramid style of lifting. So for me, if it's chest day, um, I, I still like to lift heavy. Yeah, I'm a model and actor and I don't need the strength, but I love having it. So I put 275 pounds on the bar and I do about two to three sets with five reps on the bar. And then that's usually where I uh, bottom out. And then I take the weight down to 225 pounds and then just do as many sets as I can. And then once I burn out with that, usually five more sets, then um, I go down to 135 pounds and do what I like to call a neck press which means whenever I lower the bar, instead of doing a traditional bench press, I'm dropping the bar across my throat. And when you have very strict form to where your arms are 100% underneath of the bar, it really strains the top portion of the chest. So that, but that style of lifting to going from extremely heavy to very lightweight, I do that with my arms, my legs, back, absolutely everything um, to develop the abs. Uh, I think there are eight regions, and so every day I work out pretty much uh, one region. So whenever I work out my chest, I also hit the top portion of my abdominals. And then on leg day, I hit my lower abdominals. And then on the arm day, that's when I hit my transverse abdominal, a.k.a. the sexy V, yeah. and the obliques, which look like fish gills. Um, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, but that, that's what I go through. And actually, um, stretching um, has been very um, important to me. And uh, put back in place because 
Um, I was talking to uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme one day, um, and he said that out of the weights he lifts and every, everything he does, it, a priority for him in his life is being, is being flexible. And for me, in between sophomore and uh, or freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was diagnosed with a herniated disc in my back. Oh. Yeah, and, and the specialist said, um, okay, you're done being extreme and lifting heavy and doing all this stuff um, if you have the surgery to have it done. But if you don't want to have surgery, you're going to have to keep that muscle very built up for the rest of your life to keep, to keep your spine in line better. So I made the choice of like, you know, go hard or go home. Knowing that the way I work out and with everybody, the way that you truly get in shape is you work out on the days you wake up. Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you're not feeling well and X, Y, Z is on those specific days. You have to go work out. You have to go do something progressive and, you know, cause that's the time when it's so easy to, to progress when everything's wonderful and unicorns and rainbows are all around. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like, you know, when, when the rubber meets the road, are you ready to just put your foot down and just make it happen? That's cool. That's inspiring. Um, I want to talk now about your creative side, which I know is partly fulfilled through acting, but um, I've seen your photography and it's remarkable. So do you want to talk about your photography and talk, cause you, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's really good actually. Thank you. Um, so the way I got into uh, photography was from modeling. I, my, X and my mother for Christmas one year bought me a Nikon 3100 camera, which is a, a very good yet basic introductory camera to the Nikon family. And whenever I would travel, I would take landscape pictures and random street photography. Street photography is uh, like the candid moments you get of people. And my way of doing cardio in South Beach, Miami, was playing basketball and um, uh, it was playing basketball and playing a lot of beach volleyball on Sundays, uh, usually in a tiny white speedo while drinking from a white bottle of coconut rum. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we fast forward to New York. Even I could play basketball that way. <laughs> well, not in the speedo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so fast forward to New York and now the way I would travel, I like how I was never injured is beyond me. Um, but I was the crazy guy that you may sometimes see um, hanging literally with his hands on the trunk of a cab, catching a free ride because I, I would rollerblade from audition to audition. And when you work as a professional model, a full-time model in Manhattan, I was with the agency Q. And my very good friend, I think the world of him, his name is Will Hill. And he definitely – definitely helped me in keeping me completely on my a game and kept me very busy with work auditioning uh et cetera et cetera um but what he didn't know is um i used to rollerblade all over town or he knew that but he didn't know i was hanging on to the back of taxi cabs to <laughs> get a free ride up six uh, or down sixth avenue um but yeah oh so yes go ahead. sorry um uh, for all the listeners, that was me just absolutely losing my train of thought. <laughs> so, Talk about your photography because yeah. you're actually a really talented photographer. And please tell the listeners where they can see examples of your photography. 
Will do. You can check out my work at BoRobertsTalent.com or BRPNews.com, which stands for Bo Roberts Photography. I will get into that in a second. But so this crazy tangent I've been on um, is what really got me fascinated with street photography. I would go through Manhattan all through the day and Manhattan um, and Queens and Brooklyn, all over the place, rollerblading. Um, I would even get on the subway with my blades on. Meanwhile, around my neck hung the, my Nikon camera with a 50 fixed lens, which means it's, you can't zoom it in. So instead of just sniping somebody from 50 feet away and a moment they're having, I had to get right up in their face and take a photo and wow. just, ex- yeah. So every street photo I have, I have a conscious memory of, of, you know, roughly what was going on at that time. And why street photography? Street for street photography is simply, um, catching random moments of people just living their lives. You know, I have photos of a guy standing outside um, a shop lighting a cigar, you know, or maybe um, a favorite photo of mine was this uh, couple I caught on a tram over in Milan. And and the woman is, look, she's wearing fur and she's scowling at the camera and looks so displeased with me. And the guy has such the ultimate puppy dog eyed look, and it seems like he's just reaching over to pat her on her knee, like it's it's okay, honey. He's Aww. just taking a photo. Calm mm-hmm. down. So, yeah, I, I really love that. And then I move out to Los Angeles and um, began going to Whiskey a Go Go in the Viper Room because I love live music. And then I started. And then I started. Um, oh, oh yeah, can we talk about how you you photograph rock bands, and you're going to do that soon again? Yes. So um, it has transitioned for me taking street and landscape photography to all of a sudden, hey, I'm a model. So now I'm updating models in their books, or now I'm an actor. Let's shoot headshots. Models and headshots, I can have fun with, but it's not nearly as pleasing as the candid street photos or musician photos. You can go back to talking, but I just want to say um, one of my listeners, David, said, wow, beautiful gallery of photos looking at brpnews.com. So you should thank David. Well, thank you, David. That's very kind of you um, because that is the aspect of photography that I hold dear to my heart. Um, And also that's my way of cheating the system. Um, I figured out that, you know, I'm pretty good at – uh, musician photography, con- live concert photography, and all of a sudden that would give me in between front row and the stage at major events. So like I've shot uh, Kesha, uh, Jason Mraz, Plain White Tees, Daughtry, Slipknot, Billy Idol, um, Robbie Krieger from The Doors, Jack Black. Like the list goes on and on and on. These are all people you photograph? Yes, uh, all of them, and I have a big chunky camera, so. Whenever these artists see a gigantic camera in front of them, they think, oh, he's from so-and-so, which I've actually been published in Billboard magazine about seven or eight times now. So, yeah, it definitely, for me, it holds up having a a big-bodied camera, but to me, I, I just love it to where I'm able to take photos of artists that I love their music, and now they're giving me one-on-one attention, and... Yeah, like shooting a concert, 
that's the type of photo I wish I could get from a headshot to where you're catching an artist actually in the moment of doing what they love. It's like maybe their face is a little contorted off and maybe the lighting is not completely correct. Who cares? None of that matters when somebody is actually there, present, and you're watching somebody that doesn't care what's around them. They're so focused on doing what they love, and I love it's primal. capturing. It's very primal, and yeah, it's just for me, I know that's whenever I really sink into a scene and acting, yeah, like I know that joy, so to be able to capture it for somebody else and be like, this is what you look like, you know, it's it's very exhilarating. So I want to jump ahead a little and um, talk about your future. What are your goals? What are you looking for? How do you want to evolve? So in the future, um, this is actually my time now to formally introduce myself to the uh, casting world. Um, I have filmed various projects and been on some TV shows and done stuff like this because I know producers, directors, and et cetera, et cetera, people that that know I'm good at what I do and they trust me and believe in me and they think I'm a good guy. So they want to help me out. Um, all, all of those reasons or just one or two of them. Um, but I had purposely stayed off of the radar from casting. Uh, I wanted to study and get really good at what I'm doing because of the whole first impression idea. So now that I'm casting now, currently I'm wanting to do guest starring, co-starring stuff on TV and film projects. Although I've been the lead on stuff before, realistically, I, I know that casting directors don't want to give me that, that chance until, you know, uh, until I build up the credits and resume a bit more. Uh, but yeah, in, in the next five years, I would love to be considered to be the uh, number one action hero in the world. Like that's what I'm wanting to do five to 10 years um, coming from law enforcement and cage fighting I have real life experience in that all the way up to, you know, very sadly, you know, seeing people pass away in front of me. I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. Um, I've literally fought people. I have a scar on my wrist from trying to handcuff uh, a drunk guy one night. Yeah, I see it. Yep. (laughs) Yep, it's actually there. So I've lived it, but then I've also very safely transferred that into film and yeah, to me, it's like when you take somebody that is an actor and you teach them to fight on screen, very often enough, it looks less than ideal. But for me, it's like, no, I'm rough uh, rough and tough tumbler type of guy. Like, you, you can actually hit me in the stomach, not full force, but, you know, make it land. And, and the beat goes on, the scene continues. So, yeah, action films is definitely what I want to do. You'd be an amazing action star, I have to say. So I have to ask. <laughs> I'm sure my listeners want to know. Um, you've married one of the most beautiful women I've ever met, totally glamorous, good-hearted, and you've been voted one of the 50 sexiest men alive. What is that like? And don't tell me it's about face cream. <laughs> yeah. um, it's awesome. That lets me know that um, as far as being voted sexiest men alive, um, it it uh, reassures that what I'm doing and the way that I am hoping I'm coming across to the public is being welcomed as that. Um, going all the way up to being one of the sexiest in the world, 
you know, I didn't really see that coming. So, but uh, but the, it was such an honor. And it's the Cherokee blood. <laughs> that Cherokee blood, yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it it's great. I love every aspect of it. And now being married to my beautiful wife, uh, uh, High Countess Michelle Cherney Bonkuni Sonsi Mortensen Robert. Excuse me, you left out her excellency. <laughs> Her her Royal Excellency High Countess Cherney Bonkuni Sunsi Mortensen, <laughs> and there's uh, Alexandra Maria, and yeah, she has a very long last name, but yes, so she she actually is a, a High Countess of the royal family, and um, her cousin is uh, the Prince Princess Theodora of Greece, like the most pure to the bloodline princess on earth and her uh, godmother is the queen of England. So like that, that family. So for me to be married to, to be married to Michelle, it's uh, to me, it's completely insane. And yet not at all. Um, Cause the way that we met and everything, um, I actually met her at the whiskey a go, go um, <laughs> going back to her owning a PR firm. Um, she had a couple of celebrities there on their 50th birthday, uh, the whiskeys, not the celebrities. So they had news crews and vans and red carpets and everything parked up front. And I was bored that night and I sent this band called the uh, motels a message saying, Hey, I'm bored. Um, you know, if you guys pay for my taxi both ways and a couple cocktails and you know, I'll, we'll call it even and I'll come out and shoot your show. That's when I show up and find out it's their 50th birthday. And then I bump into uh, Michelle there. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting. It's the only woman I've ever formally um, uh, courted before. Um, I dated, and trust me, from being a cage fighter and being a frat boy and an underwear model, (laughs) you could say I've been – quick to hit the hay with, with a lady <laughs> a, a time or two. But with her, I waited, uh, I waited three months before I even kissed her. Now I, d- that's good. I approve. <laughs> right. So it, it was very much on that, uh, formal courting process to where, um, I actually met most of her family, uh, before I kissed her and got approvals from, I think everybody, there's probably one or two that may have been like, I don't know about him, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, so did that. And yeah, I love to tell people that, um, I am an amazing man, uh, simply because of who, again, I give so much credit to the people that surround me and now I'm surrounded by Michelle and I, just think the world of her just think she's so amazing so if i'm able to convince a woman like that to actually marry me i think by default that makes me a pretty awesome guy (laughs) so yeah i i think the world of michelle too and yes if she has married you you are an awesome guy (laughs) and there's like a whole horde of us who would kill you if you weren't (laughs) um so let me ask you who has inspired you who has inspired me? Um, that's a question I always get tripped up on, and I feel like I never have a good answer. But I, I feel like such a 
repeat record, you know, like a Tim Tebow always uh, going back to Christ and stuff on how he gives credit. But now I actually see his point of view because for me, it all goes back to my family and friends and the people I've grown up with. Like there are such tri trials and tribulations that all of them have had to deal with in their life. And, you know, looking at the issues I have to deal with and the stuff I've done, yeah, it's been hard, and I have my boohoo stories as well, but it's just seeing how these people, you know, have gone through some pretty serious stuff, and they still smile, and they still are nice to people. So for me, I take a lot of inspiration in that to where it's like, you know, yeah, bad stuff and horrible stuff happens to everybody, Eventually, you know, last year was very rough for me. I've, I had two people I love dearly uh, pass away. One extremely long before her time, um, and it was actually my aunt Donna. Mm -hmm. And when I worked at the family company, five days a week I'm interacting with her, so I was extremely close with her. And used to just call up the company just to talk to her and my aunt Sheila, just to see how they were doing after I moved away. Um, so, yeah, that was a shock, but, you know, with all of the bad stuff that's happening, you know, my mother and my Aunt Sheila and uh, Uncle Joe, like the entire family, you know, the, the beat keeps going. And, yeah, they're very sad and they're mourning and stuff like that, just as I am, but they still, you know, are nice to people, which is like, yeah, so you have this job, you have that job, me, I'm a model actor and as a hobby photographer, I'm still doing my work the same as everybody's doing their work. And yeah, just the fact that they're able to be so nice, it empowers me to be like, you know, I got to keep going too. Can you summarize some of the more important points, the more important life lessons you've learned along the way? Cause you've had a really interesting life. Uh, life lessons, uh, learn, along the way um, is stuff that I've had since day one. The people that I always um, keep in my life uh, over New York, I'm flying there in a couple of weeks. Uh, Lauren Koenig, uh, Frank Savaggi and Bill Shea, um, three people I really admire that live in New York. I've already texted them and only them that I'm coming to New York. Because I really want to see them, and just um, lost my train of thought again. Lo so, <laughs> life lessons and important things you've learned along the way. Yes. Yeah, so to you know talk to them and tell them, hey, I'm coming to town. Um, let's hang out. It's the same thing I do whenever I fly home. Uh, I call up the family, I call up my friends, and say, hey guys, I'm coming to town. Let's hang out. So you're talking about the importance of family and dear friends. Totally, and you know I've. I've experienced it to where money, it, it comes and goes in my business. Um, it's the stakes are higher living in California. The rent is much higher. Um, it's more than doubled what I paid for a three bedroom, uh, or, or, or bathroom house in Indiana. It's more than doubled, but yeah, so money comes and goes. A lot of people come into your life. They leave your life. And it's, yeah, it's just a, a constant circus that you deal with. So for me, it's like just, you know, trying to keep up with people that that mean a lot to you. You know, like call your parents more. Um, I um, 
wish I called my father more, which I definitely should, but, you know, I talk to him about once a week. Um, sometimes it gets up to about a week and a half or so, but my mother, I speak to her every three days or so. And I know a lot of people don't do that, and eventually they're going to wake up again, wake up one day, and they won't have the opportunity to ever speak to them again. So we've got about four minutes left, and I just want to know if you have any words of advice for aspiring models and actors. Uh, uh, words of advice. So uh, just going to go ahead, and go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid for aspiring models. Um, if you want to pursue the life and dream of being a full-time uh, model, then for men, you need to be in between uh, 5'11 and 6'2". And for ladies, you need to be, I think it's 5'7", or I think 5'8 through 5'11". And the reason that is, is because uh, for me, you know, people question, is he actually six foot because I had this Midwest sit-on-your-hip type of slouch? So that takes me down to about 5'11 and a half or so. Um, and with me having a wider chest, it makes me look shorter. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, like, even I had a lot of issues um, booking work. Like, I've been on the final option for a campaign with Versace. I've done some in-house work with Hugo Boss. You know, I, I, I ran with the big boys in New York when I lived there. But my height being, uh, is he 5'11 and a half or is he six foot? That would actually get thrown in my face at most castings and auditions I would go to. So I'm letting you know to be very real with you. And ladies, that's the same thing. And reason being, whenever I would go audition over at... Yep. We on? Okay. Sorry, everybody, the mic fell. Uh, reason being, uh, whenever I would go have a casting over at Levi's, I know the process. I'm going to go into the room, try on the pants. They're going to say that they love how they fit on me, but there's too much break in the leg because they don't care who you are until you hit a full-blown celebrity status. They're handing you a 32-32 jeans. For me, I'm a 31-31, and the 32 length broke just a little too much, and they said, ah, sorry. Oh, sorry, the mic is not working. Yeah. Or no, it's. Is it still not working? Hello? On Periscope, but not on the interview. Yeah. Although they can't hear me? Oh, okay. So, so yes. Got it. 90 seconds. So, Back to it. Um, it's just you have an industry standard. You have to hit a 40R suit size. You have to have a 32, 32 jeans. Um, and when you work with a model, uh, a, a female model, when you go into when they go into high heels, they still need to be one inch shorter than you. So the height restrictions. That's very true. To go into acting, you you have an iPhone. Uh, my my cousin has. A movie called Crow's Nest right now, shot start to finish. It's on Netflix, and he shot it on an iPhone 4. That proves there's no reason for you to not have a reel, not have footage, not have a lot of work with you on it. 
Bo, I have to say thank you for being on. This interview flew back, flew by. Would you come back on again? And thank you. I would love to. So thank you for being on. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. To everyone out there, thanks for listening and come back next week. Take care. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.